going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Going the Distance podcast presented by ImmaculateSports.com. Twitter's at Sports. Instagram is at Sports. TikTok, YouTube, ImmaculateSports.com. It's episode 89. It's the quarter point of the MLB season. Uh, Western and Eastern Conference finals are, uh, are getting there. Yeah, they're done next week. Sure. We'll know who's playing in the finals next episode. Very exciting. Yeah, it's going to be a fun episode here. Skylar's only going to be making it through with one earbud, though, uh, <laughs> as it looks like one of his earbuds has fallen off. So, uh, we're going to make a trip down to uh, Best Buy. Best Buy. Yeah, yeah. that's that's it. It's about to go. Not yeah. sponsored. But, uh, anyways, it's episode 89. So, let's talk about our favorite number 89. Skylar. Are you going with the Ditka? Yeah, yeah. We've got to go with Mike Ditka here. Obviously, War 89 is a, a Hall of Fame tight end. Also, was the coach of that 85 Bears team known as the greatest defense of all time. Great guy. Great. Mike Ditka. Coach. Yeah. I'm actually going with a guy who has not worn the number 89 yet. But well, in the future, he played for the Jets, and he's the newest wide receiver on the Las Vegas Raiders <laughs> roster. It's Keelan Cole. Said he's going to be wearing number 89. I found that out a few days ago. So I said, screw wow. it. Why not Keelan Cole? He one made some the, ridiculous catches for us. One of the most average wide receivers of all time. Not going to do anything crazy for you, but uh, should be a good uh, wide receiver three or four uh, in that stacked Raiders offense. So... Kind of good to see, I guess. Sure. Welcome to squad, Keelan Cole, and uh, hopefully you wear 89 well. Let's go ahead and get to the opener now. Uh, tell me about Atlee Rutschman's debut, Skyler. Yes, very uh, highly anticipated debut, Atlee Rutschman. We've been waiting three years for it now. The catcher in the Orioles system debuted a couple days ago. One for three, a walk and a triple in his first hit. Hasn't done much since then, but we'll give him some time. We know the Orioles uh, don't really need to win right now, so it'll be great. And uh, I'm sure it's a start to uh, an amazing career. Yeah, uh, that dude's going to be a beast for sure. My opener has got to be game two of the Warriors series in the Western Conference Finals against the Mavericks. First time at the Chase Center for me and watching that game. Halfway through, I was I was thinking to myself, did I really did we just pay this much money to watch this game and, and have the game go the way it was? Because we were down, I think fourteen at half, but it got it got to as big as nineteen at one point. But the third quarter changed everything. Only allowed thirteen points in that third quarter. Uh, Warriors won that quarter by twelve, and then the fourth quarter won that quarter by eleven. So Dubs kind of make this one. Seemed a little bit farther than it was for this whole game. Uh, a nine-point victory over the Mavs, 126 to 117. That game is probably going to be remembered as the Looney game, though, because he went off, and he's been going off pretty much every single game now for the Warriors now at this point. So it's good to see players on our team elevate their play in big situations. But that game, Looney had 21 and 12. That's the most points Looney has scored since high school in any game. Uh, he said that maybe he scored that many in Drew League, but he's not going to count that. So uh, I'd love to see Kevon Looney in a Drew League game. I'm sure he'd be going ham over there. But uh, he's been going ham in the Western Conference Finals. And uh, that's for sure good to see. We'll talk more basketball later on in the show. Playoff Looney. Well, let's get to 
player of the week, and that's got to be Trevor Story for his insane two-day stretch that really turned into a great week uh, for the Red Sox. He's been slow to start the season. Red Sox have been slow to start the season, but they're heating up. We'll talk more about the Sox later, but more specifically with Trevor Story, three homers in one game, and then the next day hitting a grand slam. Uh, man, did he have a week. He had a great week for sure. We'll probably talk about him more as well when we get to our player pitcher and rookie of the week here in a, in a little bit. Let's go ahead and get the team reports now. Probably nothing to report on with the jets. Uh, I got a story from OTAs. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So everyone was there except for Mackay Becton. He uh, just had a baby. So oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's uh, he'll be there soon. And uh, the big story in camp so far is uh sauce Gardner one-on-one with Garrett Wilson and Garrett Wilson has no room at all. Sauce is, is just destroying him. And that some people on bad. Twitter were like, oh, is this, you know, is this a problem with the offense? What is going on? And some of the reporters who were there were like, no, no. Wilson looks good. Zach Wilson looks good, too. Sauce is just uh, a different breed out there on defense at 6'3". So uh, that's pretty exciting to hear. They didn't match up at all in college, did they? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, they've probably gotten against each other well they're obviously gonna be going against each other for pretty much the rest of their careers if they stay both jets for their nfl yeah. careers but uh, iron sharpens iron yeah it looks good that always that's always got to help being able to learn from one of the better guys at your position i assume even the raider corners are going to be getting better by going against renfro and Devonte and those guys yeah. every single day in practice uh, as far as the raiders go i don't really think we have anything to report uh, just a pretty slow week. We, yeah, uh, yeah I know Zamir White took some photos with oh. the rookie premiere. I saw him do that. It wasn't smiling. I guess he has a cleft chin or something like that. So, like, he doesn't really smile at all. Wow. But, uh, doesn't matter. As long as he's knocking guys over, I'm going to be okay with that. Let's go ahead and get to the spotlight now. Uh, what do you want to put a spotlight on this week, Skyler? I want to talk about Jordan Addison, five-star receiver. He was at Pitt last year with Kenny Pickett, put up ridiculous numbers, 1,600 yards, 100 catches, 17 touchdowns. Kenny Pickett goes to the Steelers. So Jordan Addison is now transferring to USC. He'll be with Caleb Williams, Lane, not Lane Kiffin, sorry, uh, Lincoln Riley. I get those two mixed up kind of sometimes. Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams in USC. And uh, that should be a pretty dynamic duo over there possible Belitnikov winner. Ooh. I'm going to be talking about a man on the Oakland A's and that's Kevin Smith. And he is starting to heat up for the A's, which is great to see over this past week. Smith went seven for 15 over five games, a couple extra base hits and a couple RBIs as well. Only four strikeouts in that time as well, which isn't too, too bad. Um, only thing we wish to see more with Kevin Smith is maybe start walking a bit more he doesn't like walking at all let's slow uh, down personally. Kyle. hold on <laughs> i like what to ask for i like uh seeing guys that can get on base uh as obviously raves fans so getting on base is a pretty big thing and uh if his power continues to come around too he's starting to hit the ball gap to gap more often that'd be great to see but uh one of the pieces from the match admin trade starting to look like he might be all right Good. Let's go ahead and get to where's your head at now. We're going to start the same way that we always do with player, pitcher, and rookie of the week. Let's start it off with the player. 
Yeah. I believe we probably have the same person here. It's going to be Trevor Story, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It's got to be Trevor Story. Like you said, five homers, four of them in a two-day span, 13 RBIs, the most by far this week. He was ridiculous. Yeah, just an interesting tidbit on uh, Trevor Story. Six for 18. He had six hits, obviously. Five of those hits were home runs. So only one non-home run this past week is kind of crazy. But he's he's utilizing the monster, that's for sure. Mm Mm-hmm. Next up, pitcher of the week. Who do you got here? A couple of really good options here. Yeah, There's, yeah. A couple. It wasn't uh, a clear. Couple uh, complete game shutouts. I uh, was looking at, but I got to go with Martin Perez here because he shut out Houston, first place team. Uh, just view that a little higher than the others. Yeah, I got to go with the man that shut out the, the Astros in that Texas rivalry series. Martin Perez. I mean, late late career resurgence, maybe something like that. I don't know. He's had a pretty interesting career. He's been decent, but never really that good. But uh, he's been pitching really well this year for the Rangers. That's for sure. And uh, gets a dub for the Rangers. I can't. Yeah. So good for them. Not good for the Astros. Uh, let's move to rookie of the week. I'm going to go with Mackenzie Gore here. Six innings, six strikeouts, no runs at San Francisco, helping San Diego extend the win streak. They're on a five-gamer now, eight and two in the last ten. So for Mackenzie Gore. Yeah, he was really good against the Giants. I'm going to go with J-Rod, though, for his eight for 25 showing last week with two home runs. One of those homers coming off of Zach Logue last night in their game against the A's. But J-Rod, one of MLB's biggest prospects, Probably graduated off of that prospect list now at this point, but finally coming around after a slow April, and he's been doing really, really, really well in May. On to the next topic, and we're talking about the Sox, the red and the white ones. They're both getting hot after slow starts this season. We got the Red Sox winning five in a row with a big four-game sweep over the Mariners at Fenway this past weekend. And then we also have the White Sox, who just won a series against the Yankees, which doesn't seem like it happens at all anymore because of how good the Yankees have been this season. White Sox sit at one game above 500. Red Sox are still just three games under 500, but with how some of the teams in the AL have been performing, maybe the wild card or those spots are going to be a little bit more feasible for those teams now. So do you think the Sox, red and white, are back? We'll start with red. Uh, Devers, the story are on fire. JD Martinez has been doing his thing, but I don't trust the pitching at all. The Yankees, Toronto, Tampa Bay, they're going to mash all year long. And I think, uh, the big decider here is I don't think Bogarts is going to want to play on the one year contract this year. You know, there's, there've been talks about the extension, but that's the, the thing that's holding this team together right now is that Bogarts is, uh, is not complaining at least this week about all that. Uh, you want to, Go for Boston, or you want me to? Yeah, I'll go ahead for Boston. Same thing as Skyler. I think the pitching is really going to struggle here. I thought Chris Dale will be back at this point, and that's that's why maybe a little bit earlier in the season I still would have had him getting out of this slump. But I don't know if this getting out of the slump thing is going to be permanent. I don't think hitting can really carry you to the point where you can can make the playoffs with their slow start, even with their shitty pitching right now. So. I mean, they got to find a guy. You got to trade for a guy, maybe, or see what they got to do there. Get Chris Sale back. But as of right now, 
I think they're just on a hot stretch, but that division's too good for them to really be back at this point. What about the White Sox? I never counted out the White Sox. So, yeah, I think they will. You know, Anderson's playing like the MVP right now. Uh, a lot of injuries, especially pitching. But Cease and Kopech uh, have stepped up, as I predicted. Lance Lynn's starting the rehab. So, as of right now, yeah, I think they'll be fine. Yeah, the White Sox have been really good. Kind of the same issue with Boston is that they just have been allowing too many runs. Uh, but with how that division is right now and how the rest of the teams are in the AL, I think it's going to be quite possible for the White Sox to go ahead and get back in it. I also think that roster is quite a bit better than the Red Sox, and those might be two teams competing for a wild card spot this year with Minnesota's great start. So I say the White Sox, I don't know if they're back, but they're going to be good enough to make the playoffs, and you'll see where I spot them and our playoff seating predictions here it, just around the corner, actually. Team that has not – or they had a hot start, but now they're completely cooled off from that hot start is the Seattle Mariners. Uh, A's actually had a chance to pass them up in the standings yesterday, but since we lost the game, we're still a game and a half back from them. But, man, the M's are struggling. They're 18-25. Mm-hmm. and 25. They've been allowing a lot of runs – they haven't been scoring as many runs as they'd like. Ty France has still been good. But is it just another year that we can write off the ends before we even get to June? I think we're getting close to writing them off here. The pitching, uh, another American League team with awful pitching this year, outside of Gilbert and the back end of the pen. Uh, but they do hit a lot of home runs. Only four and a half games back. Like you said, the American League is kind of bad this year. Uh, big series against Houston this week. Uh, maybe that'll decide if we can give them an early write-off, but they really need Cy Young, Robbie Ray back. That's holding them back a lot. Yeah. I, I'm i going to write them off just because it's it's just what history shows, man. It's The M's are, are this team that – you know, maybe people are turning their heads a little bit before spring training and into spring training and maybe even the start of the regular season where they're like, oh, I kind of like the guys on this team. I think they got a chance to do something. Injuries derail it. Underproduction performs it or derails it. Jared Kelnick being one of those guys, obviously. Uh, and they just – they haven't been good. Ty France has been amazing. But uh, if you just got that one man, you're not going to get it done. So – with how good the Angels have been and how good Houston's been, I think it's going to be really, really tough for Seattle to get back into it. So I am going to write off the Mariners, for I believe, the 21st year in a row. Kind of crazy. Yeah. Only MLB team to never make the World Series. Think about Sorry, that. Sorry, Dilly. Exactly, man. <laughs> like, what the fuck? All right. Anyways, we're a quarter way through the season Every team has played 40 games, I believe. Most teams have even... Oh, At least, yeah. Guardians have not played 40 games oh. yet, but they are close to that. So they are 38. Uh, besides that, it looks like everybody else has played at least 40 games. I don't know why the Guardians have only played 38, but uh, anyways, that's besides the point. Yeah. looks like they're going to be playing more games later on throughout the season. They've probably already had a ton of off days. But we're going to be doing our playoff team predictions here. Our predictor prediction for the World Series winner, the MVPs, the Cy Youngs, and the Rookies of the Year. Do you want to start with the awards, or do you want to start with playoff teams first, Skyler? Either way. Let's go ahead and do the awards. Okay. 
start off with rookie of the year. We'll start small and then we'll get bigger from there. Yeah. Who is your AL rookie of the year right now, Skylar? It's got to be Jeremy Pena. Okay. I don't even have an honorable mention here. I, I know J Ram, sorry, J Rod from Seattle. <laughs> High praise. I know. Uh, mm-hmm. has uh, kind of put it together here, but Jeremy Pena to me, he's the only rookie in the American league who looks like a big leaguer who hasn't had a massive over 20 streak this year. And, uh, he's definitely stepped up big for Houston who, uh, needed a shortstop, obviously with Correa gone. He's done it perfectly. Yeah. Jeremy Pena has been really, really good, but, uh, I think we've gotten through that 0 for 20 spot for J-Rod. And with how he's been this past month, I'm going to say that he's going to be the AL Rookie of the Year. He's already above a league average hitter now at this point, even though he only had like a 600 OPS in that first month. 12 stolen bases already, and he's been hitting over 300 this past month alone. So once we get to July and he continues on this pace, I think there's going to be a lot of people on the J-Rod train just like I am right now on the NL side though who do you got similar pick here going with the safe pick in my opinion Mackenzie Gore uh Hunter Green is an option here but to me I uh if I have you know one game I need to start from it's Mackenzie Gore there's Seiya Suzuki here too who I guess technically in the same situation as Pena you could call him a professional hitter since he Mm. you know since opening day he's been above league average but I don't think it's enough to give him the nod right now. Yeah. I'm also going to go with Mackenzie Gore in his six start seven games. He has an ERA just a shade over two striking out over nine guys per inning and doesn't have the highest whip and holding hitters to under two thirty average Mackenzie Gore, even though he kind of had that little slow period within the past few years, we were like, Hey, when, when is this guy going to come up? Yeah. He's came up and he has been absolutely excellent for that very deep San Diego Padres pitching staff. On to the Cy Young. AL Cy Young first, together. Who do you got? I think there's three guys here that are really close, and it's it's pretty much just preference for me here. So I'm going with Nestor Cortez because I did not expect this at all. Uh, McClanahan, I, I kind of hoped, would, would step up and be the guy in Tampa. He did. Verlander, I've always loved Verlander, so I, I never doubted him either. So it's I don't know about love. Cortez. I've had times in my life where I've hated Justin Verlander. I have had games where I hated him, yes. But overall, I I don't have a problem with him. Yeah. I'm going to go with Shane McClanahan. It's my Cy Young so far. He's been an absolute stud for the the Rays so far. ERA just over two, just like Mackenzie Gore. But he's striking guys out at some absurd rate. Just about a 13K per nine right now. Whip under one, and he's holding hitters to under a 200 average right now. Under the Mendoza line. Not a lot of guys can do that in MLB. The Rays have a lot of guys that can, but I don't really think there's a lefty that has that electric of a fastball as a starter that we've seen in quite some time. And that's why I'm going with Shane McClanahan as a Cy Young right now. What about on the NL side together? Who do you got? I'm going to go with Max Scherzer. I think this is another preference pick. Uh, You know, I have Corbin Burns. Pablo Lopez, Eric Lauer. I just, you know, I'm taking Max Scherzer in a game 163. I know they, I don't think they're doing that anymore, but in the hypothetical situation, that's my guy that I trust the most. Yeah. They might go back to 163s next year, I think, but just because of this weird season, 
They're definitely not doing it this year. I'm actually going to go with the only guy that has eight quality starts this year. And I believe is the only guy in the MLB that has a hundred percent of his starts turning into quality starts. And that is Joe Musgrove. He has been absolutely amazing for the Padres so far this year. ERA under two, whip under one, opponents average just over 200, striking out a lot of guys, not walking a lot, uh, not giving up home runs either, which is a pretty underrated aspect of this. Uh, he's been absolutely amazing for the Padres. If they had Tatis back, whew, I'd watch out for them because they might have the MVP as well. We'll see here in a little bit. But let's go ahead and get to that MVP award. AL MVP might be the most obvious choice out of anything right now because there's one man who has been hitting the ball out with regularity to say the least who is it's guy yeah Aaron Judge is playing for his life right now he knows what's on the line he knows the most money he will ever see in his life depends on the season and uh like you said he's putting the ball out with ease so far yeah there, there's two people in the MLB right now that have 12 home runs. That's Jordan Alvarez and there's Mike Trout. And then there's Aaron Judge who has 17. So it's not even close right now. It's a laughing matter. And with, at this pace, he'll probably hit one tonight. He'll probably have 18 by the end of our show. Uh, but this guy's been like, road to the show on rookie. Good. That's how good he's been. And so Aaron Judge, obvious MVP. What's interesting about Aaron Judge though this is going to go away from the award topic yeah. is that he's already 30 years old. So he's not going to get this 10, 12 year contract also because he's six, eight, he's not going to get that long of a contract. So, I mean, he might get 40 million a year, but will that be for eight years? Will it be for six years? Or maybe Depends. he'll scam the Yankees. I think there's going to be a complete bidding war. And I don't really think he ends up back in New York unless they win a ring this season. What about if it's in Queens? That would be something. That'd be <laughs> the one big W that the Mets would have over the Yankees in their their entire Five franchise time. history. But uh, that'd be something. Anyways, Aaron Judge, he's been a baller so far. Let's get to the NL MVP, Skyler. I got to go with Manny Machado, uh, another guy who was kind of written off, uh, you know, at least from from superstardom. And he's hitting 365 right now. Uh, for San Diego, who's who's so close to catching the Dodgers right now, it's uh, going to be an interesting race. But I, I also want to shout out Arenado, who's doing a very similar thing for St. Louis. Betts, very similar thing for the Dodgers. And Pete Alonso, similar with, with the Mets. You know, some of the best teams in the NL right here. But uh, Machado's the best hitter in the National League right now. Yeah. Machado, he he's mine. It's... A clean sweep for the awards for the Padres here. They have yeah. the Cy Young Rookie of the Year and the MVP, in my opinion. And that's why they have been one of the best teams of baseball without their best player. So when they get their guy back, we all know who that is. That's going to be a scary roster for sure, led by probably going to be the coach of the year, Bob Melvin, as well. Uh, but, dude, Manny is – he's just being Manny. He's a whole nother – way to that saying now at this point 58 hits leads the MLB seven stolen bases too to go along with eight home runs he's been going him not striking out as much as he has in the past hitting the ball to all fields and he's just been obviously playing stellar defense as well it's the career arc of Manny Machado is really something that's interesting 
because uh, he was pretty hated for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. He obviously, with his time in the Orioles as an A's fan, we had our own personal beef with him. And then when he was with the Dodgers, stepping on Jesus Aguilar's foot, I believe it was, uh, that obviously had a lot of people up in arms about him as well. But since he's gone to San Diego, he's kind of settled down. He's doing really, really well for the pods this year. And one of the big reasons why they are one of the best teams in the NL and the whole league in general. Let's go ahead and get to those playoff team predictions now. Mm-hmm. I did mine in seeds as well. I did. Uh, so if you did yeah. that too, we can start off with our AL six seed and we'll go from there. Uh, go with Tampa Bay. Uh, we talked about it. They got so many arms. They're kind of like uh, the San Diego of the American League right now. And uh, and they're kind of on fire right now too. <laughs> yeah, they've been playing good baseball. That's for sure. Uh, they beat up on bad teams, which is what you need to do in the regular season. I'm going with the White Sox, though, as my sixth seed. They're getting hotter. I think that roster is going to get healthy throughout the season, obviously, and some guys are going to get into their into their regular season normal normalcies that we uh, have gone away for or get, gone away from for some of those guys on that team. But uh, White Sox, we all know that they have one of the best rosters in the MLB, and it's going to show. That depth is going to show here for sure here in the upcoming months, and I think they just sneak in with that six spot. On to the five. Five, I have Toronto. I, I think they they surpassed Tampa by a game maybe here. It's still not going to catch the Yankees, but another great team uh, that's pretty solid all around, and uh, maybe if they can hit for a better average, they'd uh, be higher on my list, but not yet. Yeah, I'm going with Tampa Bay as my five seed. They are just so unique as a baseball team. They're probably going to win 95 to 97 games still this year. And uh, maybe not that many, maybe like 93, 94. But uh, anyways, roster is great. They do all the little things correct. And uh, Kevin Cash, that's all I got to say. Yeah. On to the fourth spot. Got the Angels as my top wild card. Uh, I think they're going to beat up on the AL West in the second half of the season. So that, that gives them an edge over the East teams. Yeah. Angels were a team I left off my playoffs. Mm. I think there's just too many moving parts of that team. It just seems like everybody can get injured at any point. And I know that can happen for any team in the MLB, but it seems like it just happens more often uh, with the Angels. And uh, Taylor Ward's going through that right now, that's for sure. But uh, my four seed is going to be the Blue Jays. I think they have one of the best summers out of any team in MLB this year. We see this every year with the team. A team that starts off slow and then just has a June, July, August that they just start going ham. And I think the Blue Jays are going to be that team this year. Uh, And it's not going to be fun to pitch in the Rogers Center. That's for sure. In in those warm summer months, even up there in Toronto, it's still going to get a little warm and – I think they get that four spot as the top wild card in the AL. Let's go to the worst division winner in the American League. Who do you got here, Skyler? I have the White Sox. They beat out the Twins, knock them out. It's uh, it's too low for the Twins to make it in here. So uh, White Sox get the three. I like I said, I I trust it all. I know there's a lot of injuries, but guys are coming back. They're pitching well. They'll get it done. Yeah, the, this Twins team has won five games in a row, uh, sit 10 games over 500, and Byron Buxton has not been that good in this past month. I'm taking them to be my three seed and the worst division winner in the American League, but regardless, still get that three spot 
in the AL playoffs, once Buxton heats up again, and once Correa heats up again, and once they trade for Frankie Montas and we get Royce Lewis, saw a mock trade. Not taking that from myself, but if that were to happen, that'd be dope because Royce Lewis is going to be really good. But uh, trade for starting pitcher. They got the the prospects to do so. They do that. They are going to be very legit, in my opinion. And they got a lot of young young hitters too. So it's it's a fun lineup, that's for sure. Gary Sanchez coming around too. Two seed in the American League. Taylor, who do you got? I have the Astros. I think this is maybe the deepest roster in the MLB. It's uh, going to be hard to stop them from winning the West again. Yeah. The Astros remind me a lot of those Cardinal teams in the mid-2010s to early 2010s where they just have guys that come up and produce regardless mm-hmm. of the name. And we see that now year after year with the – the Astros last year, Jake Myers and Chaz McCormick. This year, it's Jeremy Pena and the guys that are coming up for them. But man, I mean, the Astros are the ageless wonder of the AL. That's for sure. They just keep on going and uh, they're probably going to win a division again this year. That leaves one spot, though, for the best team in baseball right now. That's the Bronx Bombers sitting at the one spot for both me and Skyler. Tell me a little about men in the pen stripes uh well they have one of the best bullpens the best rotation the best hitter in baseball as, at least as of right now statistically mm. uh yeah that's uh that's about it but that's a lot yeah yankees are are scary i don't think they're gonna keep up their 690 win percentage uh because that seems nearly impossible in baseball but the Yankees are amazing. Aaron Judge might hit 60 homers this year. And just for the sake of his contract and me wanting to see how ginormous that contract might be, I really want him to hit 60 uh, and get his MVP back from Jose Altuve that stole from him in 2017. Mm. On to the NL side of things now. The number six seed, Skyler, who do you got? I have the Cardinals. And uh, in case you uh, notice a pattern, I haven't changed it in the NL since the last time we did it. It's the same six teams in the same order. I got the Cardinals here as the last wild card. They're going to be just fine. They're not going to get too streaky, I don't think. But I, I still like the Brewers more than them, so they get the wild card. I'm going with Atlanta as that sixth seed. I, I can't take them off just because of what they did last year. So late in the season, turn it on and fighting into that wild card spot. And I think that's going to be pretty possible for them this year with how bad the Giants have been recently. Uh, where it might just be 87 to 90 wins that, that you need to go ahead and get that last wild card spot. I think that's very possible for Atlanta still. I think they're better than the Phillies. I think they're better than the Giants. I think they're better than the D-backs who are somehow in that that question there. And uh, I think they sneak in for that last spot there. Number five, Skyler, who do you got? Number five, I have the Giants. Uh, I don't think they're better than the Cardinals here, but they – they get the higher seed because they just seem to have guys no one's heard of before come up in in the summer and take off. And they're healthy. Luis so Gonzalez. Far. Yeah. Yeah. So we know. Uh, I've, Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I just I, I have no reason to believe they're going to choke it so far. Yeah. Number five for me is going to be the Padres. I've been a bit or not Padres, uh, the Brewers. I've been a big 
Cardinals believer this year. From the beginning of the season, I've picked them to win the Central just because of that whole vibe of those last three guys uh, staying for that another season. But uh, Brewers are good. They're going to win a lot of games, but the Cardinals are going to get hot just like they did last year and win a lot of games at the end of the season and steal this division from the Brewers onto that fourth spot in the NL. Yeah, I got the Padres here. I, I'm sure you do too. I, I'm not quite ready to put them above L.A., but I think they are very good. Yeah, I'm putting the Padres up for Dodgers. I this is nothing against the Padres. Uh, why they're at the fourth spot and the pa- Dodgers are at the spot you will see later. But uh, just, I mean, the Dodgers are so good they just can't pass them up. Uh, anyways, though, Padres are amazing. They got some of the best depth out of any team in the MLB right now. Uh, obviously, that's not going to change, and we know how AJ Preller gets. Once we get to the trade deadline, he's going to be making some moves, wheeling and dealing some prospects to go ahead and make that roster as good as he possibly can. Uh, so I have the Padres at that four spot. The worst division winner in the NL, Skyler, who do you got? I have the Brewers. I like the pitching more than St. Louis's, and they're clutch. That's that's all you need, really, yeah, to get that three spot. <laughs> I'm going to take another clutch team. And that's the team that just hit a walk-off grand slam yesterday against the Blue Jays. That's the St. Louis Cardinals, led by Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, and the rest of those guys on that squad. And company. It's a good team, man. That team's very, very deep. And, uh, I mean, they're just going back to their old ways. They just have guys that produce night in, night out, whether who it be Dylan Carlson, whether it be Tommy Edmond, whether it be Brendan Donovan, I think his name is. He's been producing sometimes as well. Or Yepes. Yepes yeah. is going ham. Uh, they just got a bunch of guys that can play baseball, man. And uh, St. Louis is, is a good spot, especially uh, if you're watching a baseball game. Let's go ahead and get to that number two spot now. Let's go to who do you got? I got the Dodgers here at number two. They're going to ease through the regular season like they always do. Maybe uh, a couple trades for, for a second baseman or a corner outfielder. Who knows? But uh, – they don't have to do much here. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Mets at the number two spot. The the Grom and Scherzer injuries, I think, are going to cost them that one spot. Probably would have been possible if they did have both those guys for the rest of the season for sure. But with those two injuries right now, I, I got to put the Dodgers ahead of them. But the Mets have been absolutely amazing this year. The Lindor is playing worth the money. Pete Alonso has been great. Marte has been all right. Canada has been good. Brandon Nimmo has been amazing. They just had a very, very deep lineup. That's for sure. Uh, On to that number one spot, Skyler. You got the Mets, right? Yeah, uh, it's the Mets. And they're over the Dodgers just because they got the baseball gods on their side this season. That's fair. I'm going with the Dodgers. Dodgers are very good. I don't need to say more. Mm -hmm. You got winning it all. Ooh, winning it all. At the Mets over the Yankees. Mets over the Astros. The Yankees always choke. That's fair. Yeah. I think a New York World Series would be pretty sick. It, so. would be, it would be cool. Just wishful thinking a little bit there. Yeah. Anyways, that's going to do it for our predictions for the rest of the season. Let's go ahead and get to our top 10 catchers in the All MLB right. right now. All righty. Last thing that we're going to do before halftime is go over our top 10 catchers. We did this. Uh, for football earlier this yeah. year, where we went over just about every position and give our top five, top 10, whatever it is. So we're doing it in baseball, starting off with the backstop. 
our top 10 catchers. You got any honorable mentions here, Skyler? I don't. I have one. Uh, and it's going to be the second Contreras brother, William or William. Okay. William. William. One of, one of those. He's been going ham right now, though, for the Braves. He's been hitting second the last few days. Hasn't got that much playing time, so maybe we don't know how consistent that's going to be. But if he continues that, how he's been hidden, he's definitely going to be on this list. So he sits as honorable mention for me right now. Skyler, who do you got at number 10? Number 10, I got Yadier Molina. I still got to give him a top 10 nod here because he, he's pretty good defensively. Top top five, probably active. So, so Yadier makes the list. Yeah. I'm going to go with Gary Sanchez as that 10 spot. I think he's been pretty good for the Twins so far this year, and his power is starting to come back around for them. Uh, not striking out at the same rate that he was with the Yankees, and it's I think that change of scenery is going to do him well, even if he didn't have the greatest start for them this season. On to number nine. Number nine, I have Omar Narvaez. He's been awesome defensively and, uh, you know, hitting above the Mendoza line. So there you go. Yeah. Number nine for me is going to be Jonah Heim. As funny as it is with our, our inside jokes with Jonah Heim, he has been so good for the Rangers since they just traded him over there. Uh, I hated to see him go. I really, really did. But uh, he's been so good for the Rangers. And he comes in at number nine right here. Number eight, who do you got? Yeah, number eight, I have Jonah Heim. He's, I, I believe, on fan graphs, the top third offensive catcher this season. So... Great start for Jonah Heim. He makes a list. Number eight for me is going to be Tyler Stevenson. He's been raking this year. Uh, and I think that's going to be a sign of more to come for him. Still a super young guy. And uh going to be good for the Reds if they don't trade him. On to number seven. Number seven, I got Kiebert Ruiz from Washington. Uh, just another defensive wizard behind the plate. That's all you can ask for. Yeah, Kiebert is also at number seven for me. It's been hidden well. I have him in fantasy. He's been good for me this year. Uh, and uh, just another Dodgers product that ends up being good. So good job for Keybird and good job for the Nats on trade for him. Next up, number six. Number six, I have Tyler Stevenson, uh, kind of a breakout candidate this year, and he's he's done his job. Man, great on offense. Number six for me is going to be Sean Murphy. I know he's off to a bit of a slow start right now, but he's still got to be one of the best catchers in the game just for his production in the last few years and how good he is defensively. So Smurf gets the number six spot on to number five. Number five, I have Sean Murphy. He drives and runs. He plays great defense. Number five for me, even though he's off to a terrible start this year, it's going to be Yasmani Grandal. He was great last year. Builds the position really well. Uh, just needs to get it going this year or else he's going to find his way a bit lower on this list. Number four. Number four, I have Will Smith from the Dodgers. Another uh, primarily offensive guy, and he's he's been good enough offensively. You know, if you hit in the top six in a lineup and you're a catcher, you're, you're doing just fine. He's Especially the Dodgers guy. lineup. Yeah. Sure. Number four for me is going to be Wilson Contreras. He's been great this year for the Cubs. Uh, one of my more overrated guys the past few years, but he he's living up to his name right now uh, that a lot of people think he's a star. So Wilson Contreras comes in at number four for me. On to number three. 
Number three, I have Travis Darno from the Braves. He is at, at least this year ranked as the best defensive catcher and also has a, a one war for offense too. That's a, a monster year so far. Number three for me is going to be Salvador Perez. Uh, hit a lot of homers last year. Continues to be hitting the ball well this year. Not as good as it was last year, but still a beast nonetheless. Mm-hmm. On to number two. Number two, Wilson Contreras, by far the best offensive catcher. There you go. Yeah. Number two for me is going to be Roel Muto. He's been really, really good. Uh, obviously, another catcher that's off to a slow offensive start, but I'm letting his track record kind of take over for this one. We know he's one of the top catchers in the game. Mm-hmm. And lastly, the best catcher in all of baseball is who, Skyler? I still have JT Real Muto. I think his base running uh, is is another element that uh, makes up for a slow offensive start because we know how great he is defensively too. Uh, I think he's one of the best all-around players in baseball. I'm going to go with Will Smith at number one. Uh, another guy who has a track record of the past few years that shows that he's going to be really, really good. Uh, and he is good. Plays good defense. Hits well in that good lineup. And uh, gets that number one spot for me. But real quick, Skyler, did you not have Salvador Perez on your list? I did not. Wow, that shocks me. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, I, I went with, with what's going on today. Gotcha. Pretty That's much fair. just this season. That's right. I, I went with a more broad stance. Mm. But uh, anyways, fun that way. two good lists. Uh, let's go ahead and get to halftime now, Skyler. We have yeah. a pretty short halftime. But it should be interesting in MLB mock draft, something that has not had, I don't think it's ever appeared on a show. No, and I don't have my own. I didn't watch that much high school baseball this year, but we the got draft. Jonathan. So isn't until uh, July, mid July. Yeah, yeah, moved back a little bit here, uh, which sucks, of course, uh, but it's not going to stop us from talking about it because we got Jonathan Mayo. Uh, writer for MLB posted his mock draft on MLB.com. So we'll, we'll start it off. Uh, you know, we'll go through the top couple picks and some notables that we know, and we can talk about share our experience. So we'll go. We started off at number one, the Orioles taking Jackson holiday shortstop from Oklahoma. Uh, apparently there's been a lot of buzz for this guy. Baltimore doesn't really know what to do. And uh, this would save him some money. So interesting. Not the guy who I would take, but okay. Yeah, exactly. It's a it's a Keston Hearsted pick. That's what they're saying, pretty much. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, number two, Diamondbacks. They have him taking Drew Jones, the number one rated player. Obviously, Andrew Jones, the son, uh, high school outfielder. I would take this guy number one. He he looks ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I'd take him one too. He he's going to be the best player in this class. To, mm-hmm. If the mock drafts have told us anything. The, the scouting has told us anything. It's telling us that Drew Jones is the best player in this class. Yeah. And number three, Texas Rangers, Elijah Green. Uh, they have him ranked just behind Drew Jones here, outfielder from IMG. Um, he he rakes. They say he doesn't swing and miss. So that's, that's interesting. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, number four, the Pirates, the best college player. They have him taking Brooks Lee, the shortstop from Cal Poly. He's a switch hitter. He hit 500 last year. This guy should be a monster up in the majors pretty quick. Uh, yeah, and they took Henry sure. Davis last year. So, yeah. Yeah. Sure. 
some good picks by the Pirates if that continues to be the case here at the, the Cap Wally shortstop. Yeah. Uh, number six, skipping around a little bit, uh, the Marlins. They have them taking third baseman Jacob Berry from LSU. This guy has so much power if you've watched him at all this year. Uh, he's pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, number 10, the Rockies. They have him taking Jace Jung, uh, brother of uh, the Jung and the Rangers organization, mm-hmm. second base from Texas Tech. Uh, another guy who who raked uh, OPS over a thousand for Texas Tech this year. Uh, and by the way, uh, Rockies get an extra pick too because of Kumar Rocker. The Rockies and, or the Mets? Uh, sorry, sorry, the Mets. Yeah, they're they're next. That's gotcha. what I mean. Uh, <laughs> it's it's weird. Uh, Nineteen are A's. They have us taking Chase Delauder. He's a college outfielder. From James Madison, left-hander with a lot of power and good uh, good plate vision, but he broke his foot early this season. That's why he fell is the reason in this mock draft. So that's interesting. That is interesting. I, I don't know if I want to take a, a guy that's injured. <laughs> Seems like Probably that stuff not. never really works out well for the A's. So how about we just take a guy that's healthy? Uh, how about a guy uh, like the Mariners? They have taken at 21. Dylan Beavers, the outfielder from Cal. A uh, lot of power, 18 homers last year and uh, 20 so far this year. They they say he has a chance to play center field in the bigs. They just don't know if he can hit for contact. Hmm. That's interesting. Interesting. We'll see how that goes. But mm-hmm. it's still quite a ways away. So uh, still something on our, our yeah. far horizon. But we still got to talk about every now and then. Uh, mm-hmm. More news on that, obviously, as the College World Series comes up and stuff like that we'll we'll get more news uh for them will be mock drafts and all that good stuff but let's go ahead and bring it back from there is time. there is one guy i Ooh. see that maybe you have some inside information on they have the astros at 28 taking brock jones the ultra athletic outfielder from stanford that's an underslot right there if they're taking him at 28 at that point a lot of people have had him higher up uh, Brock Jones is a stud. If the A's found, somehow got a way to get him, that'd be absolutely amazing. I think he's one of the m- more mature bats in the draft as well. He's got a lot of experience playing in, in big games and, and obviously playing in a pretty good conference in the Pac-12. Uh, if the A's found a way to get him, I'd be stoked. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, guy's a beast for sure. All right. Take it away. Yeah, let's bring it back from halftime. And we're t- talking about basketball here in the second half. Talking a little bit about the Mavs, talking a little bit about the Warriors, and also a little bit about that Eastern Conference series uh, going on right now. First thing, though, what do the Mavs need to do to take the next step? Uh, looking at the roster right now in the state of the series, it's kind of pretty clear that they aren't going to advance into this next round unless they pull off the reverse sweep against the Warriors, which has never happened the in the NBA playoffs history. In sports history. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it looks like they're just they're one step away from being that championship contender, or maybe two steps away, depending on whatever way you look at it. What do you think the Mavs need to do to take that next step? What do you think might be some of their moves that they make in the offseason? I think they need to surround Luca with dominant defensive players like they're doing in Boston right now, because Luca's too ball dominant to bring in another offensive star. They've tried it a couple times. I like Brunson and Dinwiddie a lot, so I don't think you need to blow it up. Just change your strategy for drafting and free agency. 
I think the Mavs, especially when you watch this series against the Warriors, their whole offense is Luca, Luca driving kick, and then he's forcing their shooters to go make shots. The Warriors obviously have great wing defenders, and so that doesn't really work too well against the Dubs. And you're asking not the greatest shooters to make a lot of tough shots. So I think what they got to do is they got to add a pick and roll threat is one of the big things because all their centers can shoot, but none of them are really great at rolling to the rim and and being a force inside. So I think, I don't know who they can really pick up, uh, but like a DeAndre Ayton type guy, I know he's an option because he's probably going to be a free agent and probably switch teams. Uh, It's an option there. Uh, Next thing I think they need to do is add a wing that can play both ways and score on offense. Well, obviously that's part of playing two ways, but uh, the guy that I have in mind is Tobias Harris. Uh, he, He might be on the move from Philly this year. I think, Maybe the Sixers try to do something interesting or something stupid over the offseason and change it up. I really don't know who would go back. I think probably a three-team trade would work well with that because I think Philadelphia needs a lot of depth. But uh, they had Tobias Harris. I got Because everybody on that team, you get the ball, you get kicked to. It's Dinwiddie and Brunson can do stuff. But Bullock, Finney Smith, the rest of the guys on that team that are wings, they're just shooting the ball. They don't have any any threat of driving around and making a play at the rim, Tobias Harris does. So you add a pick-and-roll threat. You add a guy that can play on offense and really create for himself as well. I think the Mavs can take the next step uh, and be a title contender for sure. I I think they're just outside of title contender right now. One team that's in title contention spot right now is the Dubs. That's for sure. Up 3-0, one one away from the finals. We'll see if they make it back to the finals tonight. They got game coming up here in about an hour or so but i've seen a lot of stuff on the internet talking about the warriors are back in dynasty mode skyler what do you think that means and do you think the warriors are back in uh air quote dynasty mode i really like this take because i we didn't even talk about this and i was thinking right as we got to the fourth quarter uh for game game four i was thinking oh my god this feels like the second chapter to the last dance. You know, the Wiggins trade will go down as an absolute robbery. You know, the way they're building around younger guys while also keeping the big three happy and as primary ball handlers is is perfect. You know, I don't want to jinx anything here, but mm-hmm. this looks a lot like when Jordan came back from retirement and kicked it up a notch. This, this team is it's it's so fun to watch they uh they really have a one through eight that i think is unmatched in the nba right now where they obviously we have that number one guy and stuff but the number two there is no clear number two there's a lot of high tier threes or low tier twos where you have jordan Poole, you have wiggins you have clay all those guys can erupt for 30 to 40 points in a night if they really really needed to or when ham obviously obviously draymond doesn't have that that 40 point potential, but he has the potential to impact the way the game in a way of getting guys open, playing great defense and all that good stuff. Wiggins can play great defense. Clay can play great defense. Looney has been elevating his game higher than we've ever seen it in his career uh, during this playoffs. The defense when GP two gets back is obviously amazing. And we're not even talking about the teenagers on this team. Yeah. I, I know they're not going to play the re- pretty much the rest of this season because they have a pretty solid eight with Otto Porter and the rest of the guys I've already listed. 
but Kaminga and Moody and that's how you Eisen, that's that's what the difference between a run and a dynasty. That's how you guys. build to the next level, and, and you don't really see. You, I mean, we saw kind of with the Spurs where they went from the Admiral to to Tim Duncan and Ginobili and Tony Parker and all those guys and. All those guys kind of came in their own little succession where Duncan was there first and then Manu and then Tony Parker came a few years later. And we're seeing that a bit with the dubs because if Poole turns into a star, which looks like it's going to be that way, Wiggins has this resurgence in his career, which it looks that way. You have Kaminga who could be a great star in the future. And it looks that way. Moody, a guy that could probably play both ways in the future because he's been playing both ways in the playoffs when he's getting those limited minutes. If it, you just have Wiseman that turns into an average center, you just you got all those guys. You really have a chance to be a title contender for another however long you want to be. So I'm gonna say yes. The Dubs are back in dynasty mode, but it all matters on this year. If they don't win this year, then they're not in dynasty mode. So looks like it, but we don't know quite yet. Yes. Lastly. Miami versus Boston. One of the most puzzling 2-2 series ties that we've seen in a while at this point. It seems like every game has been like a blowout of some sorts, especially in the first quarter of these games. I'm not, I'm not sure what the actual like plus minus is for that, but it seems like one team just takes advantage in, in that first quarter and uh, has won the game pretty much every single game of the series so far, but it's 2-2. I don't really know what to go with this. A serious prediction, perhaps? Who do you think is going to be that that conference finals MVP? Because we've gotten mm. uh, those awards, obviously, coming up here soon, too, as well. So what do you think with this series? What, what are your thoughts on the series so far and for the future as well? I'll, I'll give my prediction first. I'll say Miami and seven is what I think. I think it's great for Boston that they have White and Pritchard and Williams stepping up. But to rely on them to win an Eastern Conference final is is a bit too much for me. However, Miami needs to stop running the Indiana Hoosiers Big Ten offense where they have Kyle Lowry, who's, who's too slow to get down the court uh, running it. But also with Miami, they have the guys to step up uh, if you want to pull Lowry out early. And that's what I'm going to go with here. Uh, Miami's a deeper team, I feel like. So I'm going to trust them here in a game seven. They would be at home in that scenario too. I just think Boston can't rely on the wings and the young guard Pritchard and and uh, Miami can't rely on Kyle Lowry. Uh, it's got to be Adebayo and Butler. Uh, but obviously the guy who who comes in to play, whether it's Tyler Hero or Gabe Vincent, who who comes in for Lowry when he's he's a little slow coming back for halftime, uh, that guy should be the, the real conference MVP in my scenario here. Yeah. Uh. Both these teams are just, they're playing like it's the finals where, I mean, obviously. In a way it is. It's your season on the line, obviously. So in, in some sort, it is the finals because it's the conference finals, whatnot. But both these teams are just running out of gas right now. It looks like, man, it's like teams can't recover from their their early blows that they're taking. And, uh, I mean, Miami's just – they're hurt. Boston's hurt. 
think we're probably going to see more injuries throughout this, this series because of how physical these teams play. But uh, I'm taking the Celtics because they have the best player in the series, and that's Jason Tatum. Uh, I, I had my bold prediction last week be that Tatum was going to average over 30 points in this series. He's not quite there right now because of a very shitty game three. But uh, Celtics have a bit of a mo- momentum right now after the 20-point victory. And uh, I see him taking the series in seven with Jason Tatum getting that uh, final, not finals, conference finals. Yeah. MVP, let's go ahead and get to our bold predictions and layups. Uh, last week, I had the Marlins over the Nationals on Wednesday. That did not happen. Skyler had the Heat beating Boston on game one. That hit for Skyler. Mine did not. Let's go ahead and get to this week where I have the A's and the M's NRFI tomorrow. Paul Blackburn versus Robbie Ray. A's don't hit. This is true. And Paul Blackburn's been shoving. So I'm going with the NRFI the first time. All right. And, uh, I lay up. Yeah, I'm going with some baseball too. I got the Astros winning the series at Seattle. They get Robbie Ray in one of those games who's been awful. And like I said earlier, I think this is this could be a, a kind of a spirit changer for Seattle. If they lose the series to Houston, they may lose their energy and spirit. You know what I'm where I'm uh, headed. It's already here? gone, man. The train's yeah. already left for Vancouver, man. You know, it's actually left for Alberta so they can go watch the the battle the Flames versus the, the Oilers. That's been a fun series so far. Uh, game five, game four is tonight. And I know they play tonight. I just don't know if it's game four or game five. I Anyways, full predictions. Last week, I had Tatum averages over 30 in the series. I'm keeping that for this week because it's still really hasn't been told. Right now, he's at 24 and a half. So maybe if he didn't have that very weird game three, then he is at that point right now, but we shall see Jason Tatum. Will you be that guy or not? Uh, anyways, Skyler had the Yankees sweeping the White Sox over the weekend. Of course that did not happen. White Sox had a great series there. I really don't think any of us saw that coming. Obviously Skyler didn't because he had it as his bold prediction with the Yankees sweeping them. But I didn't either. I thought that was actually a pretty good pick by Skyler last week. Uh, What do you got this week? Miami in seven. Sticking with it. uh, We'll actually know since the game seven would be on Sunday, I think. Mm. So uh, we can, you know, finally find out if our picks are right or not. And Miami's going to clamp down on Boston. Tatum is hurt. He's got a pinched nerve in the neck. Going with Miami. Yeah. That's going to do it for episode 89. It's been a fun one, uh, but I'm already pumped for episode 90, man. We're going to be talking about baseball again. We're going to have our full in-depth NBA finals prediction, just like we do every single year because we're going to know the matchup. Yeah. How many games will, uh, will the Warriors beat Miami in? Okay. We'll see. If that's the matchup, I'd like it. I would too. I like the Warriors odds regardless, but uh, it all – comes down to or it doesn't all come down to tonight but it'd be nice if the dubs go ahead and get that dub tonight because i want to have that feeling of saying that the warriors are back in the nba finals for the sixth time in eight years so with that being said go dubs go dubs as well and the oilers just kidding go flames (laughs)